uh, you couldn't explain how you feel. Well, as you say, it's a sad day for Celtic. Scottish Cup final, Charlie Gallagher, corner, big belly, bang. Greatest skipper Celtic ever had. He was a, a motivator. He was a great captain. First and foremost, he was a Celtic supporter. An outstanding defender. With the European Cup, the first man in Britain to lift it. You've no idea what it, what it meant when the studs were hitting off the, the ground and the, the noise was quite, quite dramatic. London Road to, to go into Celtic Park. Thousands of people. And that was what, what struck us. It made us realise just exactly what we had done. And it was it was wonderful. Caesar. Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic podcast. I'm your host Chris Gallagher and uh, straight into it I'm joined by Christopher Samani. Thank you Christopher. I'm also joined by straight down in front of me Louis McCaffrey. Straight down in front of you. Straight I'm, down the I'm middle. He- I'm here, thanks for having me. Thanks for the sombre tone Louis that I said to have when we started recording and to my right hand side he's putting his glasses on it's Christian Wolf. Good to be here. Good to be here. Uh, we are starting on a more sombre note due to the fact uh, that Billy McNeil, King Billy, has passed away. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to open up by talking about... Now, obviously, I'm 36, so Manny's 36, Louis 10. Hey, 20, what am I? 29. 29. Some, uh, Christian is 42, 43. Fuck you. <laughs> what are you doing, Christian? Um, 38. 38. But I look... A tiny bit younger. Um, so he, he does look a wee bit younger. But essentially, we can't talk about uh, Billy McNeil in terms of being a player, in terms of because we never saw him. So, what we're going to do instead is we're just going to talk briefly about what our thoughts are on him as representing Celtic. Uh, I'll just go first. Billy McNeil is just is Celtic um, in a lot of ways. There's there's few men that have such a connection with a club the way McNeil does with Celtic um he is he he encompasses everything that 
of what it means to be a, a Celtic fan and what it means to be a Celtic player. Um, the picture with him with the European Cup is one of my favourite pictures ever. It's one of the most important pictures in terms of Scottish football and Scottish sport. And uh, just a monster of a man. Uh, Sir Manny, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's... The Lions, obviously, as you said, we didn't see any of them uh, as players. I was saying to Louis before we came on, uh, McNeil, Big Billy and, and, and Betty Old probably are probably the most visible Lions in terms of Betty's about the club as an ambassador. When we were young, um, McNeil was the manager, manager yeah. in the centenary season. So, obviously, you know, Johnston and all the other Lions, you know, we all know who they are. But they were, they were kind of visible and a tangible part of the club when we were growing up and, and, and we could see them. And it's just one of those things where you just think these guys... Immortal. Immortal. And I, and, and I suppose, without sounding corny, their achievements are as Celtic fans, but it, you, you just... It's when they finally, you know, you know they're all getting older and, 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 and some of them have passed away. And when it actually happens, although it's to be expected, it's kind of hard to believe. And... Um, when you seen the news this morning, it kind of just hit you, and we, when you knew he did his health problems and stuff like that. Um, but even still, when it actually happened, it, it was still kind of a, like a, a you know a, bolt from the blue, bolt from the blue, bit. you know. Yeah, Louis, what's your kind of thoughts? Obviously, I'm joking aside, but you are a bit a little bit younger, so you mm. probably don't even rem- remember him being the manager. I mean, I remember him from the as myself and someone remember him from being the manager during the centenary season, which is yeah. one of the key kind of things from our childhood growing yeah. up. So yourself, you might be a little bit even more disconnected. Yeah, I think it's it's, um, it's part of the kind of the fairy tale that you're told as you grow up as a Celtic fan, that certainly of of an age who, who weren't there to witness it, the story of of winning the European Cup and, and the fact that guys were all, all the players were from a, you know, from close by and, and the whole story and the, the romance of it it's just like a fairy tale and you learn about it growing up and for, for me as you say like I, I didn't know much about the man other than he was the captain who lifted the European Cup as far as I was concerned and being told about it like my dad's family are from Bells Hill and he was from Bells Hill and um, my gran was actually best pals with his mum and my mum was telling me a story today about when, when I was wee and going to the supermarket in Bells Hill and there was his his mum was there and was talking about his and all that sort of thing and I, I met him when I used to work in Starbucks and he came in one day and um, there was like a penny on the ground and he, he just picked it up and like, I knew who he was obviously as he was walking through but he bent down and gave me it and said good luck and it was like wow <laughs> like I've just met that like I've just met him yeah like, that's the, the that's, icon. that's the man and yeah it's um it is very it, it's a kind of strange feeling because it makes it almost makes what happened back then all the more real because as you say you didn't you didn't really see him recently like in recent years and as I've grown up the stories of old and the stories of the Lisbon lines it's almost as if it is a kind of fantasy, and like, because it doesn't, it couldn't happen now in the same way. And the fact that 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 man who you see in such an iconic image of him holding the cup, and how powerful an image it is for everybody who supports Celtic, to know that that's him, and sadly he's now gone. It's it's a very somber, somber day. 
Christian, um, obviously you came here 2001. 2001. Did you know of Billy McNeil beforehand? Probably not Billy McNeil per se, but I think every football fan, pretty much no matter where you grow up, knows the story about the 1967 team. Yeah. Um, they know the image, as you say, probably one of the most iconic football images anywhere, ever. Um, you know the story about how there's a group of local lads who, who, who come together and, and, you know, made up that team and, you know, just being the first British team um, to win it. Although I read a quote from him today that he certainly didn't win it for for, for Britain. <laughs> he did one at a bit for Scotland, but most of from Celtic. Um, and we'll probably come on to, to Kieran's article a bit later because I want to talk to about that and what how that resonated with me as well. But yeah, I think for me, it's probably, as you know, I, I grew up, you know, with the Liverpool sides, and I grew up with stories from my dad about, from probably the same era, about Shankly, about Paisley. And, you know, Bill McNeil's probably the personification almost, of, and it's Jock Steen there, but it's probably how I can relate to this if, if Bill Shankly was alive and, and if he died today. Yeah. I, I think in terms of my child and me growing up. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it, it feels. You know, I don't know how it feels, even though I'm kind of the outsider here and, and I've, I'm not, you know, been living Celtic as long as you guys. It still feels strange. Yeah. Um, so what we did was we had the opportunity to go to Celtic Park today. Liam Divers, um, what a boy, by the way, um, went down and he spoke to two of Billy McNeil's, you know, teammates, brothers, um, John Clark and Bertie Ald. Um, so... This is what they had to say. Very obviously a very sad day for Celtic. Can you sum up how you feel? Uh, you couldn't explain how you feel because I promise you it was such a... It was called Caesar, as you know, and you never, ever thought anything like that would happen to Caesar. Mm-hmm. But uh, I must admit that uh, as, a, as a, an individual... He was always there for you as, as, as a captain of the club. You could always go and turn around and say that he was always there and he was putting your ear and To see him as ill as that, it was very difficult to accept. Mm-hmm. And for, for somebody like me who was never fortunate enough to see him play, mm-hmm. how, what was he like as a player? We know what we hear so much about how he was such a well, great I'll man. Well, I'll tell you, Bill, he was a great, um, outstanding defender. Outstanding defender, uh, and John Clark was uh, he, uh, John. John was Billy's partner in in, in 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 the team. John was more a people person on the ball. Where Billy had that aggression in the air, six foot something, uh-huh. majestic. He had scored a lot of goals, yep. and also he was a, a motivator. Uh-huh. He was a great captain, you know, because he would get everybody in, and, and and everybody respected him. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And and that's what he was yeah. a and motivator and a great captain. Magnificent footballer. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, coaches sign someone to play along, and John Clark and Billy became the pair. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And obviously, it's, it's sometimes rare for players who achieve so much playing for a team to then come back and manage and do so well as well. But what do you think made him such a, a successful manager, also? Well, great. First and foremost, he was a Celtic supporter. You Not know, like myself. <laughs> yeah, I like there were a lot of us, and and we all had a tremendous. Whenever we finished the game, we always wondered if we could carry on at some capacity. But the Billy, 
uh, as I say, you know, he had to be because he's a really educated boy, away from the park mm. and everything, you know what I mean? He looked after himself. And uh, although he would leave to go to other clubs, it was just something that happened. And also, it was like university, adversity. He would learn mm. from other people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he, 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 he great. Billy was a type of character you could just fit well with the time. Not really? Aye. Well, obviously, um, he won in the European Cup in 1967 was the crowning achievement, but was there anything else while playing alongside him that really stands out in your mind? Well, Billy was always Billy. You know, he was he, he, he was a laddie that uh, even during games and such like I'm talking about not about after after the training and such like he didn't like you to mess about laughing so no. and such like he would stand up for so long and then he would tell, oh, let's, this is. And it was part of, part of his life, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? A professional. But not very much so, you know what I mean? And the great thing about it was he's, he was Celtic daft. You know, like, and it, it grows in you, honestly. The most important people at Celtic Park was the people that was in the terraces, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The supporters. And we, we, that's something we always did. Mm-hmm. We always went to the functions that they were asked to do. It was a big part of our life. Mm-hmm. Celtic, you know, people turn around saying, Celtic is a wee life, son. Honestly, and, and, and... he encapsulated that, didn't he? Oh, very much so, very much so. John, it's a very sad day for Celtic. Um, how, can you sum up how you feel today? Well, as you say, it's a sad day for Celtic, but it's also a sad day for his family and his wife and children and grandchildren. And they... As much as he had the bad health, the last thing you want to hear is what happens at the end of it, you know, and uh, it's a sad day for the family, for the football club and the supporters in general, you know, because he's a well-respected personality, not only as a player and a manager, just as a person, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody who's unfortunate enough not to see him play, can you give me an idea of what type of play, what type of was like in the park? Well, he was a winner, plus, you know, like most of the players were, and... Uh, he scored a lot of vital goals. He scored goals that you don't see nowadays much. You know, corner kicks and free kicks coming out of the box and building a tackle, which you very seldom see nowadays mm-hmm. in football, you know. And uh, he was he was the top notch at that, you know. Mm-hmm. And he scored a lot of vital goals for Celtic at the right time, you know. I was speaking to Bertie and he was saying that he was somebody who would tolerate a laugh and a joke to a certain extent, but when it came to training and stuff, he was very serious and... Yeah, yeah, he was a winner, you know, and the winners don't want to see him, they messing about, you know, and uh, especially the management, he was good at that way, and he uh, got a bit of leeway, but he messed about, he'd draw the line on mm-hmm. And what do you think made him not only a successful player, but a successful manager as well? You see, he's, uh, he was confident in his own ability, but the thing about it is, they said to you, he was a winner. If you're a winner, you've got a chance to do things in football. You know? mm-hmm. and you, plus the fact that the success that you had as a player carried on to the management side of it. You know? mm-hmm. And was he somebody who commanded a great deal of respect? Okay, he was well, the supporters loved him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only still the supporters, but in general, Scottish football. Mm-hmm. You know? You've seen he, that today. He's a well liked person, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the nickname he had was Caesar, you know, so the king, so. People love that, you know. So really powerful stuff, um, and you can hear the emotion in the the, the voices. Um, but what I thought would be interesting to do as well, as I said, you know, we weren't supporters at the time. Um, obviously, as 
our ages at the moment. So what we did was, uh, what I did was, I went and spoke to my father. My dad is seventy three, um, Celtic fanatic, and uh, doesn't like me swearing. Um, so I made sure that he didn't swear, um, and I just kind of got his brief thoughts on on Billy McNeil and what he meant to my dad and to Celtic as a whole. He was the greatest. He was probably he's the best, the greatest skipper Celtic ever had. Obviously. He was a, he was just monumental, monumental. I mean, how many players have got statues outside their stadium? Very few. With the European Cup, the first man in Britain to lift it. See no more. He's the greatest hitter of ball. Scottish Cup final, Charlie Gallagher, corner, big belly, bang. Put us out of our misery for years of winning nothing. Yeah, that's right, against Dunfermline. Dunfermline, right. Big, I think that was Steen's first year, first season back, I think, can't even mind. Aye, but I think that was the first time, the first trophy won to get aye. stopped at all. It aye. was the worst trophy won, I know that, aye. And it was big, big bully, big Caesar. For a corner, something that we're not capable of doing at the present moment. Where would you where would you kind of rank Billy McNeil in terms of legends? He must be number one. They can't be any better than McNeil. They can't be, there wasn't... I don't think anybody had the respect that big, big, big Billy McNeil had. Nobody had that respect. You can see it the day in all the tweets and all that Twitter and all that crack. Nobody had that respect. Very few people had that respect. So look at that team last week. They made him the the most loyal player. One of the loyalist players because he played. State. He was a one man club. I don't think he wants to be called a loyalist. Then. No, well, no, a lawyer. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> He was he was favourite in his club. He stayed with that club. One man right? club. It was a one man club award. Uh-huh. He was great as a manager as well. Aye, of course he was. His heart was there. His heart was at Parkhead. Um, I met him once, and he was a lovely person to speak to. Did Gentleman. you? Did you ever hang around? Like, you weren't in any of the same circles as him because I know you were in no, the same circles. No, no, as... but I met him in, in when he had the pub, McNeil's. McNeil's pub. Matter of fact, he chastised me for getting on to your grace of it. I tell her to hurry up or something, and he says, oh, oh, don't speak to that woman like that. Class act. Ah, class. Class, pure class. Uh, have you got any favourite memories of Billy McNeil? Is, is it the cup final, you two? That, that header with Charlie that will always stick my head. That will always... I mean, apart from the European Cup, obviously. Aye. But that that was... Because it was so much relief. For every Celtic fan, that, that winning that cup, it felt like we hadn't done anything for a thousand years. And the disappointment every other year, you would get a final with Rangers and you'd draw the first game and then it was a replay and sure as flip, Rangers would win the second game. It happened so many times. Well, maybe it didn't, but it just felt like that. Aye, totally. And I was an apprentice with the chairman of the Rangers football club, John Lawrence, so you can imagine what pelters I was getting. And rightly so, yeah, we wee you bastard. I'm not that wee, by the way. Lovely stuff. Um... So what we want to do is we just want to, in terms of just a tribute to, to King Billy, well, firstly, what we're going to do is we're definitely going to do a feature podcast on his career, um, his career and his management career. Chris, we're also going to do a podcast on the centenary season, a timeline Celtic at some point. At some point, yep. Um, and we're going to, obviously, that'll kind of go in depth to Billy as a manager as well. So that'll be great and be able to kind of focus on that. Uh, but Kieran Devlin, uh, a f- genuinely one of the best writers I've ever came across, um, wrote an amazing piece for the 90 Minute Cynic podcast 
um, for the website, sorry, 90minutesinic.com. Um, how would you describe the piece, Christian? <laughs> well, other than a stunning piece of writing, um, I, I think what, what Kieran's article does, it, it kind of in, in a... It doesn't set out to do, I think, but it also kind of explains why so many people come back to football and, yeah. and love football because, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, uh, it's a game, um, and it's a hobby. Um, but I think what he pointed out is that I think for a lot of us, um, true football is something we have in common with you know, our parents and especially... Maybe especially no, our dads as well. I yeah. think everyone, you know, this table and and so on. And you kind of grow up, um, you know, bonding with your dad. You do true football in a little way. It's the same with me with, with with Liverpool as well. And even now, when my dad lives on another continent, but what he does is, you know, the only time at home, the, the excuse we have for texting each other is when Liverpool is playing. And I think just something simple as that, and, and Kieran describes this and, and how he kind of adored Billy McNeil before he even knew who he was because his granddad and his dad just kind of based a lot of his values and principles and his connections with them through Celtic. So, And he describes it a lot better than I do. But I think that there's just something about that for me, uh, essentially. And you had to, obviously, I think it's really nice to you and, and talk to your dad about it as well. Um, and it's that kind of thing where he was the embodiment of Bill McNeil was the embodiment of Celtic and what Celtic means beyond just just football to so many people yeah just I'm going to give a quick uh, a quick uh, a quick sort of uh, quote from the piece the yawning grief we feel is because McNeil was more than an elusive connection more than an unfathomable collective he was real the breathing living glowing personification of more than a club more than football more than every day someone we could truly identify with he was a great footballer an imperious captain a phenomenal manager but more importantly he was a good person and a humble Celtic fan our collective soul aches for the loss of the best of us I just thought that was fantastic Chris yeah I mean I think he's he's captured something in that article. Um, before I came in here, actually, I was listening to Five Live on the way over and I actually sat for a few minutes after I'd parked just to hear it. It was Roddy Forsyth, uh, Chris Sutton and Ian Wright were on. And we all know it, but in the season that we won the European Cup, Rangers got to the Cup Winners' Cup final and lost. I believe Kilmarnock got to the semi-final Semis. of the Fairs' Cup, yeah. the old UEFA, well, the UEFA Cup. And I think Dundee United beat Barcelona home and away that season, right? So we're talking Scottish football at its absolute zenith. And Billy McNeil captained the European Cup winning side that year. And what in that article, I think Kieran kind of ca- captures the fact that what when Billy McNeil retired for, as a player, what did he do? He, he, he got a pub. He ran a pub like so many old pros. And it's for a day. It, it's 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 back from a day that I suppose some guys our age kind of hark back to where it was about working class it was about you know where you came from your family and all that um and he was he was visible it wasn't like now where the european cup winners are major celebrities that have got multi-million pounds i mean if you wanted to see billy mcneil you you could have nipped into his pub in Govan hill and seen him <laughs> and he that was a season when scottish football was was dominating life in europe as we've, as we've we've talked about and somebody who had done that in this modern era certainly wouldn't have been living the lifestyle that, that, that Billy McNeil did and, 
it's it is real. It is absolutely real. He was as you know, he could have been anybody around here's dad or granddad or whatever, you know, and that's yeah. that's it's there's something about that that captures the essence of football, what it used to be and and, and, and Celtic and what it is as a club. So I, I thought Kieran's article was great. It kinda evoked some of those emotions in me when I read it and um, it was it was a nice tribute to him. Yeah, so if we can ask you to do one thing, it would be just to check out Kieran's article, 90minutesinic.com, um, there's links on Twitter. It's just a phenomenal piece of writing that really pays tribute to an incredible icon of Scottish football, Scottish sport, Scottish society, and Glasgow Celtic. Unbelievable. So, we have to talk about football on that now. <laughs> we have to begin... <laughs> We have to talk about Celtic, <laughs> about Celtic, and where we are. Uh, so, without further ado, I'm going to go. You to want me to take over and boss us? <laughs> yeah, you want me to boss this podcast? Uh, Louis McCaffrey. So, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll break it down. We'll do. We'll just let's talk about Hibs um, Celtic Easter Sunday, the Lord's Day. What did you make of the game, Louis? Um, if I was a big man, I would have got back in the tomb. To be honest with you, <laughs> it was a shocker. Um, the game was dreadful to watch. I I gave up after seventy minutes. It's Easter Sunday. The sun was beaten. Even the paints weren't they that good. They were bittered by the poor football. So no, I, I sacked it. It was it was pretty awful. No one hardly anybody gets pass marks. Okay, you've 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 come out swinging, uh, Samani. What's your kind of what's your take on it? Do you think it's that cut and dry? Do you think it was just awful, or is there any saving graces from that game? Um, just initial thoughts. The only two who I felt were okay were the centre half pairing. I thought Samunovic and Ayer were decent. Sorry, I'll speak right in. Um, as for the rest, it was bland, uninventive. Um, you could tell we were going to struggle from early on. Um, Did you get that feeling straight off the bat? Fairly early into the game, I thought. Hibbs had a good spell right from the off, I thought, and I thought, okay, this is we're, we're going to be in for it. Uh, in for a hard time, sorry. And then when we came back into the game, we had a lot of possession. A lot. There, there wasn't really in the much much in the way of cutting edge. I think we've got a huge problem in centre midfield just now. Um, I thought Scott Brown played well. Yes, but Scott Brown... No problems, names <coughs> and charm. <I> think. <coughs> Scott Brown, Scott Brown, I thought, was okay, yeah. But Scott Brown's not the guy who's going to create that moment. A genius, he can drag you through games with you, all that sort of stuff. But in terms of in terms of creativity in the midfield, I think we're struggling just now. And I think I think that was really apparent on Sunday. Yeah. Um, Christian, your thoughts? You did a wee um thing. Well, he's, he's got the stats. He's got, his, <laughs> he's got his glasses on. He means First business. First of all, I, I had a lovely Easter Sunday because I didn't watch a single minute of football, which was which was great. Um, but so when I, I watched the game back, back last night, so I, was, I was expecting kind of what Louis and Samrani said there, a complete you know, disaster and everybody playing poorly. I've, it was, what me, I got was... <laughs> I'll tell you. It was more or more like... Uh, I, I, I think it was kind of those... It almost felt like the, the league had been won. And it kind of <laughs> but felt But it's like, not. I know, it, it, but it kind of felt like it wasn't... There was there was individual performances we can talk about, but I think overall it was... Yeah, it didn't seem to have... 
for lack of a more tactical word, spark. And it didn't really seem to be an intensity or like a drive. And maybe that comes because there wasn't really any, as us, any creativity or anything like that. It just felt really flat. I, I think it was, it's a draw away against Hibs, which isn't the worst result, but it's kind of becoming slightly a pattern um, where... Celtic kind of races his game a little bit when they need to. So Hibs away in the cup. Um, Aberdeen we've in not the won the league. We've not won the league yet. Have not won yeah, the league. league. But yeah, so I don't think it was a complete disaster and everybody was terrible. Uh, but I also don't think there was. You know, it was just one of those. You, you, if it comes mid-season, if it comes under Rodgers, you go ah okay. Um, I think because of where we are. Because of Lennon's situation, is all everything is just under the microscope so much more. Yeah. And if, if something happens in that game, that means it's not the manager. If something happens in this game, it means he will be the manager. And it's just it's yeah, not I, it's I not do, a good situation for anybody, anybody. I do think that is unfair on Lennon, and I do think it is maybe you know it's an unfair microscope to be under. However, what I'd, what I would say a couple of things. Firstly, I'd say I think you've went mental as you always do when it was a disaster and it was the worst thing you've ever seen and it's terrible and it's shite because um, that's just your it was shite you're not telling me I was a good performance last 20 minutes were great. what would you know about them oh, what yeah. AI? Uh, tremendous uh, but m- the fact the fact of the matter is uh, Christian Kenan hits the nail on the head a little bit if that had been October um, after the European game you would have went fair enough I, I get, you know, maybe we came back from a, a long kind of journey or something, or, you know, we pillowed a couple of, a lot of, of travelling or something. But the fact is, you know, we've not won the league. Do you yet. know what, though? I, see, we've see, not won see, the league. I'm not finished. What? He's not finished. I know, finished. but you're, you're doing a Christian, man. You're... <laughs> that is true. I, you're I, right. I, I am a bit. Go on. Do you know whose Just fault this well. is? It's the rat. It's the rat's <laughs> fault. Right? Those players are playing the now. Like they just don't, they're, they're no, they're no arsed. They've, they've watched him after listening to him for years, gaining them all, you know, telling them how, giving them all the, the kind of insight that they need and building them up and everything like that. And then he just walks out the door one day and doesn't he say bye. And I think they won that, they won the, the game against Rangers to get so many points ahead. And I think they've all just went, right, that's are you, are you saying they I mean, kinda... it doesn't matter to the players whether they win by. Six points, so they win by 16 points. I don't think they're really that bothered. I think there is a mindset of, it's done. Do, you, I'm going my holidays. Are you saying, like, this is the point where, like, the break, you know, the breakup actually, the Celtic players are realising it? You know, first it was like, oh, yeah. I can go out, go out in town. I'll be fine without you. Look at this. Yeah. True to the cup. And now he's like, oh, it's it's a bit lonely. It's a bit it's a bit sad. So, Manny, please yeah. say something. To yeah, him. yeah. <laughs> something. Lennon good. actually did touch in that. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Like it was after who we'd played, but it was after um, I think we'd drawn one of the games. <clears throat> he said that the the squad was going through a bit of mental fatigue after all that had happened. Um, I will survive. Yeah, I will survive. Yeah, there was a lot. It's not bad. Disco hits going on at that point, you know, but. I don't think many people gave that much credence. There, there may be something to that. But unfortunately for Lennon, we're dealing with reality. And the rat chapter closed in February and Lennon's chapters opened between February and May. And yeah, no matter what you said last week or the week before about he shouldn't be judged on that. Or he, he shouldn't. He is going to be. Do you think his whole thing, though, of... 
I mean, he's he's clearly been different on the touchline. He, he has he's reserved. He's, he's, he's has reserved. been ver, very mm. reserved, right? I so his whole thing. Of, I think he's nervous. But his whole his whole kind of mindset of it's Rogers' team. I'm just going to cradle them until we get over the line, and he's not going to try and have any kind of input or, or not well, he input. Well, he, he is having an input with his team selections. With the team selection, yes, but I think in general he's just trying to. I think he's holding keep him back it going a bit. rather yeah, yeah. than making it his team, and maybe maybe that's. I don't think he kind of backfired. On. I don't think he wants to mess it up in inverted commas. I think it's just he kind of wants to influence, but you can kind of see he's holding back a little bit in the press conferences and afterwards. He's holding back with everything. He's, he's trying yeah. to he's trying to impersonate the rat before he was the rat. The, the thing with it, I think you know. To be honest, Louis, I think you've hit the nail. I'm going to give you credit. I think you have hit the nail on the head. All of this, all the fault, all of the fault, the blame of all this stuff him. does come down to the rat, and we really shouldn't lose focus on that right I think Lennon's in a tough position I think he's in a position that is almost unworkable for anyone I think you could put anyone in that situation and either they completely change it and the team team goes with it changes and we have unbelievable results and they they get the job on that they don't change it and you kind of just sail along or somewhere in the middle and I think I think Lennon's somewhere in the middle because I think he has made changes And I also think he has tried to stick to certain philosophies. However, he's kind of caught no man's land. So he, he's the rebound. Yes. yes. He's Lorraine. But, uh, how from, much from my twenties? How much of? <laughs> well, I've seen that. How much? <laughs> Shout out to of the, <laughs> She's a listener. Um, <laughs> I don't think she is. <laughs> how much of the players? Um, how much do you think the players factor into the decision who the next manager is? Because the likes of Brown and maybe a few others will be will want Brown as a ma- eh, will want Lennon as a manager. You think? But uh, well, I think Scott. I think Scott Brown is the most Scott important Brown. voice in the dressing room, and I think he will be a hundred percent behind him getting the job. But I wonder whether the rest of the players will be. I think if it was three years ago and Scott Brown had three years at least in the tank, I don't think he would have wanted Lennon. Now that he's old, he's just signed a two-year deal and it's his last two-year deal, I think he'd get away with far more under Lennon than he would maybe a more strict coach. Um, also, Lennon's his pal. So why would you not want your pal to be in control and to be in charge? I think guys like, if I'm looking at long, if Lennon gets a job and we're looking at it long term, I I look at Brown and um, Brown McGregor and Christie. I think that would be Lennon's three going forward, and I don't think he's utilizing McGregor in the correct way, and and therefore that's going to be a problem. And that's one of my points from the game as well. I think McGregor where he plays does well, and he's because he's a good player, but I think to unleash him. And where he's more effective is is in that deepest central midfield role. And if he plays there, Scott Brown can play there. And I don't think that's saying Scott Brown won't be useful over the next two years because I think he will. I think there's a lot of games he can come in, he can play less, and he can have a really good influence, and he can be part of the dressing room. Wait, you hold on a minute. Wait, you and, and, and be the leader. We're back to it. Look, it's we're all coming back. To it. <laughs> the rest of the panel are coming in. Ah, uh, we maybe need to start phasing them out. Maybe can he play every game? Maybe <laughs> McGregor's better than Brown. Hold on. If it's, well, here we fucking go. Here he goes. Well, you it told him to get a week ago. He was like the greatest by any means necessary. <laughs> get him out. You're not one. No, no. Oh, you know it's like. <laughs> go on, go I on. I don't know. Come on. There seems to be this un, you know, unquestionable belief that Callum McGregor, in that quarterback role, 
What a phrase that is. We've not used that since the Halcyon days of Charlie. <laughs> and that quarterback role is the solution to all Celtic's problems. Correct. It's not. Correct. I don't I don't agree with that. I think what we're missing, and I've said this about McGregor, McGregor's greatest strength is he can play well across any position in the midfield. I think what we're missing is a box to box midfield. We're 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 miss see the player that we want in Cham to be. Yeah. That's what we're missing. He's the to missing dictate link. that midfield. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you could have that's I, what we're well, missing. You could, I, I you agree could, on the champ, but he needs McGregor behind him. No, but that's Put fine. No, he doesn't need Brown. I'm not talking Brown about Cham. I'm not talking together. about Cham. I'm talking about the player we thought in Cham. Well, would be, let, you, and that might be that might be somebody new. <laughs> and the fact is, but with that, McGregor behind him. Yeah, yeah. We, no, we wouldn't. Not necessarily. <laughs> Let's talk about in Cham. Let's talk about in Cham, baby. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about Oliver. Wow. Oh, you ruined that. Are you um, yeah. What did you say, Christopher? Okay, so. What did you say? You said. It was a rhetorical question. It was a rhetorical question. You said on this very podcast, this famed podcast that has a lot of listeners, so they've all been holding you accountable. I've been getting <laughs> DMs. People have been sliding in. You've never wanting me in your life, to you say know. this on their behalf. Don't you worry about that. They want me to tell you that you're a clown. <laughs> With your comments, Listen, it's not that you would build your team around. I get it. Walking Olivier, down the street, Olivier and Cham. I stick by it. Talking about, you said you would build your team around I stick, them. I stick by that it. performance on Sunday was one of the worst performances of any Celtic player this season. Before we go on and talk about Cham, I'd just like you to be held accountable. <laughs> Look at his face. Look at How, his face. Tom Rogic. Rate his his season out of 10 Or 3 Look he might be good once he gets back from the World Cup Oh There we go This is the thing This is the challenges This is where we are in terms of the season I mean we've been without our best player The whole season pretty much And he's still no fit I know he's still signed for Paddy's, Paddy's coming back. Paddy's not a football player Paddy's coming back. Okay, right. So, anyway, Chris, address the people. Okay, I will address the people. The fact is, you literally just turned on the guy that you've said is our best player. I didn't turn on him. You have literally he said... go through a wee shit patch. What, a whole so season? In, hold on, and then Cham can't. No, he's just shit. <laughs> and you wouldn't build your team around him. Come on, behave yourself. I think... I, I would. I think well, then Cham... No, ho- ho- hold on a minute. Like... <laughs> That's you do it, with McGregor <laughs> behind you. Um, hello, um, but no. Essentially, I, I, yeah, I, st- I still I stand by that. I think a, a, a fully fit and cham going into the and going into next season with a support t- a support round them in terms of a manager who's going to get the best out of them. That might be Neil Lennon. I'm not saying it's not, but a manager that's going to get the best out of them if he can avoid injuries and he can play in a consistent midfield. Um, I don't think I don't think him and Brown have the greatest chemistry together. Uh, I don't think. An odd turn of phrase. Well, chemistry. Chemistry. Yeah, chemistry with between you know his partner, so you get you know partnerships, chemistry, Bruce and Pallister, you know, Neil and Clark, you know, all that. But but the fact is, they're almost as bad as Brown and Beaton. Yeah, but I don't think that's either either of any either of those players' faults. What it does mean is you'd probably have to pick one over the other, and I think Scott Brown would be picked ahead in Cham with Neil Lennon. Definitely, I, other players I don't know. Don't get me wrong, and Cham's performance against Hibs was dreadful. Um, and here he goes with his fucking well, thing. He misplaced upwards of eight passes. Six. 
Okay, six. That's huge for a central midfielder for Glasgow Celtic. Um, we Scott have Scott Brown did eight apparently. Um, Hit them with the numbers. Well, in terms of uh, the number of times a Celtic player lost possession, Cham lost it ten times, which was Jesus. third highest. But the two highs were Lustig and Hayes, so there's a few, you know. <laughs> but it's, there's a not been a good game for you, has it? But there's a few crosses in there, so I think. But Cham, the, the funny thing with Cham when, when I watched it back, because I always I saw everything and said, "Cham is dreadful. He's terrible." Wow. And you you watch a game back and you go, it's, "It's a few hopeless, almost, you know, passes." And there's one point in in the first half when he kind of just loses the ball without anybody. Um, but then also he, he does these. Thing where he's really good at switching the ball. He's really yeah, good at switching. He did it three touching times. It. He's done it. No, but he's he's got that range of passing from those. And I think he was. It wasn't a lack of, of trying there or being it. He, he was trying things and he, he was kind of trying to be that creative outlet and he was trying to do the charm things that and and some of the he, he succeeds with. Um, we're talking about Scott Brown. I think Scott Brown is a little bit lucky that Cham had so many obvious mistakes because Brown had a few pretty bad possession losses as well. The thing with Scott Brown, he's, he kind of regains them. So yeah. uh, even though he lost six possessions six times, he regains it eight times for Celtic, which is, uh, again, you know, Cham got the ball back once, McGregor got it back once, Forrest got it back once. So M- Brown kind of makes up for those possession losses he has. But again, it's it's kind of, you know, Samarani stepped out of the room, so I'm going to talk about McGregor again. If you have McGregor... In that deeper role, he's just so much comfortable. On the, he's so comfortable on the ball. He can he can bring the ball out. He can carry it. He can he got that range of passing. And I, and I absolutely think there's a space for Scott Brown the next two years. It's just not. I think this season, Celtic's best period was when when you had McGregor at number six. When you had Christian, you had um, well, Tom Rogic. Yeah. To be fair, to tell you here, so but but I think a lot of that for me is McGregor and it's uh, Ryan Christie, and I think those two need to be in those two positions. I think maybe there's another person behind him. Scott Brown can come in, but I think with Lennon there, Scott Brown's an automatic starter, and I don't think he should be. And and Cham's frustrating because when he came in. He looked like the real deal, and he looked. He, he was he had really a shaky start, though, didn't he? He did. I know, yeah. but, but but then he got he got he, a lot he, better. He did get he did get really impressive, and he's he's had these kind of individual games where he's really shone. He's looked fantastic, um, but he has he has so inconsistent. Um, and I can't even remember my point because somebody's just walked in, <laughs> in and he got uh, has been. He malfunction <laughs> in Gal's toilet tap. <laughs> no, I can you. categorically state I have not pissed myself. <laughs> well, um, I the, the the kitchen tap is mental. You just have to. It was the bathroom. Was <laughs> 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 he's bathroom. not having a piss in the kitchen, sink. man. Yeah, he's pissed himself in the kitchen. No, the bathroom sink. Yeah, you just have to. You have to lift so up. Can you categorically state that there was a fault with the tap? Looks like you've pissed yourself. It's, it's, more, it's almost a ski <laughs> jump tap. It, it, yeah, it's just. Anyway, anyway, I I don't really know what I was going to say. <laughs> I had a great point until you walked in like that. Uh, and Cham, I just don't think we should give up on him yet. I think if you give him a clean slate, see if see if halfway through next season he's not, you know, up to standard. Then you maybe say fair enough. But he needs a good run of it. He's not had a good run of it this season. He's been injured a lot. However, at the same time, we high and um, we have such high standards for Celtic central midfielders. I certainly do because my favourite player ever. 
Paul McStay, one of my other favourite players, Paul Lambert, central midfielders. I just expect a certain level of consistency and I expect them not to waste possession the way that Encham certainly has been in these last couple of games. Is there a way, I mean, he's not, you wouldn't write him off yet, Chris, would you? <sighs> the thing about Encham is he's so disappointing for two, two reasons. One, when he came in and the money we paid for him and, and the, the pedigree being an important player on the French under-21 team. Secondly, that you've seen him do it. You've seen him boss games. You've seen him boss games against Anderlecht Rangers. Anderlecht away. Anderlecht away was, was actually slow to start, but then eventually came into that game and Dominated. utterly ran the show. That That's the thing. It's not like we've signed him and there's been nothing to go on. But then when you see him, and then he did, he did it after the Rangers game at Love Street. It's not even Love Street anymore. It's at Mirren Park, sorry. And then he did it again on Sunday. For a guy with his ability to put the ball out of play fairly regularly under no pressure... The mind just it just boggles because you know that that guy should be running games for us and he just isn't. You you said in our WhatsApp group that you thought it was just a confidence thing. Well, his confidence looks shot. I, I, I think that's... I mean, some people would go like that. He doesn't look interested, but... He's still young as well. He's only look, 22. I think it, he's also got that. He's quite young, but I think it's the confidence and I think part of it is I'm not sure he knows what his teammates are going to do. Um, but what I will say on Sunday as well is seeing the good, see the things he does, see when he does release players with, with, with passes, even if they're short ones, they're always very clever and they release players into space and things like that. I mean, some of the things he did in the first half were good and he was unlucky with his shot, but then two minutes later he would go and do something utterly ridiculous. Like in the first 15 minutes when the ball bounced off him and he gave possession away, I can remember him putting the ball up in the far right corner under pressure, uh, out, of, out of play under no pressure. I'd, I, I'm not writing him off, but I don't have any. I don't have a real faith that he's going to be the player that we think. Is it he too is. much pressure for him? Maybe, maybe that that, that can happen. Maybe Who he's got knows? all the talent, but it's too much pressure. See if, see if you're offered 14 million pound from right ah, now from Porto, it. you're taking it. Ah, you're Neil taking Lennon it. said they look fantastic in training. That's why that's why he started them because he'd been so impressive in training. And, why can that not transfer the? Well, I, I, I think so. Ian Jess famously was a fantastic <laughs> trainer. Gordon Strachan used to say that when he was playing for Coventry, he was an absolutely the best trainer in the in the in the club. But then when it came to match day, he just couldn't do it in the pitch. So it's the Ian Jess syndrome. I, I just think I, you're seeing there about oh, if you get a good offer in the summer, should definitely be off. I just have a fear that if say he does go to Porto in the summer, he might well be worth. A lot of money in two seasons' but time. But do we have the? Tight, do we have the? You know, we need to qualify for Champions League, and if we, if we don't, then there's a hole. Like I get your point. I absolutely get your point. But at the same time, you'd sell him we, before you'd sell you, KT. You, you'd sell him before you'd sell yeah, yeah. Callum McGregor or Kieran Tierney or yeah, any of your kind of. What, what about James Forrest? Going back to our and Charmo James Forrest in the summer. Nah, I'd keep Forrest over in Cham. He knows what it is. He's a Celtic man. Um, so, Charmer <laughs> and Cham. Good Tam. Five Bob for, for Tom. Good Tam away. At least six Bob. By the way, Tam is class. He's just, again. Oh, no. Well, just, the, not, just not this. That's one of the problems we've got, actually, because that, that lack of sparking creativity. Tam would, would certainly we usually rely on him. The fact now Christie's out to the end of the season, that, that's a concern. That's that a, a concern. concern. We miss Christie's, you know, late runs into the box. We miss him uh, breaking the lines. We I'm just saying words now. But the fact is, we miss his energy. Um, and yeah. you know you, you see what he can bring to a game when he came on as a sub against uh, who was it was it St Mirren or 
um, when, he, when, he, when he scored and mm-hmm. it was great. Uh, in terms of how we set up, what was your what was your thoughts, Louis? Um, his uh, sorry, Neil Lennon's consistence uh, insistence in using Hayes over Sinclair. Um, he clearly wants balls whipped in quickly. He wants uh, directness. I think the issue with that is is Edouard the type of striker who's really going to attack the ball and header it the way that these no. balls, because these balls aren't, there was one or two, don't get me wrong, one or two balls. Edward should have scored that opportunity when it came across. Um, I think, I think, um, it, it's a funny one with his, I think, Scott Sinclair had, his form had changed, it, it had improved for a period of time uh, there before, uh, before the rat left. He had been so poor for so long um that I don't think any of us really would have bothered if he if he had left. I mean, no no one really. He'd been so brilliant in the first season. His form had completely disintegrated. But then he started picking it back up again. He was starting to play some better football. Um, Lennon's insistence on having Hayes there to just run at the byline and cross it in, kind of Didi Agat style or Bobby Petter style, just it just doesn't seem. See, it, it seems. It seems weird because he's said how he's not, he's he's kind of actively not changing things from what the rat had, but he's then try to get it back to front as quickly as possible. Yeah, and, and you see, you see, we went Bain, long, we went you, along a lot. Oh, I mean, how nothing. many how many times has been punt punt up the pitch when he would pass it before and like I get what you say, you know, I mean, Sinclair coming inside. I mean, Sinclair when he's confident and on form is brilliant coming inside and, and facing players up how many times have I wanted Sinclair just to run to the byline yes but is Johnny Hayes the answer I don't think so I, you know see the thing is can I just make one point um, you know okay make your point dickhead <laughs> big Johnny Hayes fan I think with Sinclair and saying yes of course he had a better first season than he's had after that but even Last season and this season, he's among Celtic's top scorers. He gets to so many chances. He sets up so many chances. So even Scott Sinclair, not his 16-17, he's a major contributor offensively. And his downfall, I think, has been exaggerated. I don't think he has been that bad. According to his own yardstick, it hasn't been that good. But to come and say that Johnny Hayes is, is a better option offensively than Scott Sinclair is, is I just is plainly wrong. And the other thing with Johnny Hayes is against Aberdeen and also this game is that he doesn't actually he changes sides with Forest yeah. a lot. And if you look at their their heat maps, which I'm just sitting looking at there, they're probably equal amount of touches on the left, on the right, and then in the middle. And it kind of just seems counterintuitive I mean Hayes is okay on, on, on his, his right his left but he's, he's, if, if you want him there just put him up to the left and then put Forrest right and it just seems you know it, it's to me the argument might be he's, he's better defensively I don't think Sinclair is that bad defensively I, I, I just don't see him it, Lennon obviously looked at as like, that's my kind of winger I want in the head of Scott Sinclair but uh, he's, he's not as good as Sinclair Chris, Chris you're a rebuttal <laughs> I mean, basically, you just described Chris Commons. I mean, Scott Sinclair. Oh, Chris no, Commons. Scott Sinclair is a lot better than Chris Commons. Is he? Yeah. 
Oh, I think so. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not sitting here in praise of, of Chris Commons, but Chris Commons created a lot of chances and scored a lot of goals for us. See, when he wasn't doing that, he wasn't contributing. Anything. No, that's and neither, fair, but... neither, neither is Scott Sinclair. Mm-hmm. And seeing the games where he doesn't do anything, he's, he's completely infuriating. And, you know, I think we've all gone back and forth with Scott Sinclair. But the point I always come back to is you're paying a lot of money for a supposed Premier League quality player, and you're not getting it from him. I think he'll be away. I, I don't think. I don't think. I and, mean, and, and, and he'll go with fond memories. I yeah. mean, some of it. Some when Scott Sinclair's been on form, and some of the goals yeah. have scored. I, I'm really glad he's played for Celtic, but you know, his time might be up. And, and I don't argue with that. And I, I'm not saying. <coughs> I, well, first of all, I think he's better off the ball than, than Chris Cummins. What I saw, Chris Cummins. But if, if it, directly compared to Johnny Hayes, he's still a better player. But it could be there could be a couple of things going on there. I've seen one I've that, se- that Len doesn't like him, but also the second is that maybe inside the club is it's known now that, that Scott Sinclair is going, I've and then maybe I, that's why Hayes I, is playing, but they don't want to go official with it. Yet. I, I think two things. I think one is that Lennon thinks that Hayes is the Hayes from Aberdeen, which he's not, and secondly, I think he's looked at he's looked at he's wanted one thing. If he doesn't want to cha- make wholesale changes, he wants to make one thing that is clearly his. Yeah. And I think he's done that with Hayes. And he's put Hayes in over Sinclair. That's his choice. And if he can make Hayes look good and be impressive, and that's directly because of him, then it'll help him get a job. I, I think, you know, just to come back to your point about um, Scott Sinclair being the better player uh, than Johnny Hayes, I've seen far better... I, I've seen there's plenty of times where a better player's up against a more determined player and they've been chosen like just right I'm, I'm not buying that to be honest I don't think Scott Sinclair isn't determined I don't think no what I'm saying is the best player doesn't always justify his position does, just doesn't always justify him being picked and that's my point I'm not saying that Scott Sinclair do, isn't determined and doesn't want to play well and he's not a professional but sometimes you just see something in a guy and I think that Lennon must be seeing something in Hayes that Absolutely. that Sinclair isn't showing him. And I think he's he is more a Len kind of player if, if, if there is such a thing because he is, you know, you look at him and you think, oh, he's, he's honest, you know, he's direct, he's, he's what you want, and he's he's, he's uncomplicated. Um, His crossing is fucking. I, I just it's don't just think... a ball into the box most of the time. There's uh, no accuracy and, 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 to it. Do you know and, what I mean? And the games he's, he's played, good company, isn't he? Aye, <laughs> the games he's played, he's. I don't think he's been in terrible, but his, his best came against a 10-man Aberdeen and 10-man Aberdeen in chaos uh, and disorganised. And other than that, I don't, you know, I, I think if you'd played Scott Sinclair in those games, I, I think you'd get better out of it. Um, what about... Okay, sorry, do you disagree with that? He's a steady, right? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem steady with his... average. Would I... Yeah, well, even if, if, if that is... I don't say that you replace Scott Sinclair with Johnny Hayes but they're two different players you'd keep Hayes for what he can do he can give you an average shift at left midfield he can fill in more comfortably at left back than somebody like Azagiri he's a nice player to have about the squad what? Azagiri just gives me the feel man have you even seen his name? exactly (laughs) but but Sinclair I mean you, you roll the dice with Sinclair that's exactly what it is. You're either going that to get type of player, an though. appalling performance, or you're going to get, you know, maybe a goal, or you're going to get him on a lively day. But that's the, the sounds thing like you're describing in champ. 
but the, the, that's the, a problem. The, the thing about Hayes is, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get steady. Yeah. So I can understand why you might choose that. Yeah, I think, uh, and it should have been way on instead of Sinclair. I, why give way a six minutes when he came on? He created two opportunities. Yeah. I thought he looked lively. Um, that to me, I don't understand that because yeah, only I mean that's playing Hayes in, instead of Vea. Just you know that. It kind of goes. You could play late. You could play Hayes at left back ahead of Izagiri, who was beaten yeah. from the first minute. And maybe it comes uh, back to what you're saying about Neil M being in this position, and he just okay. If I play Johnny Hayes, we'll, we'll get over the line, and Timo Villar is, you know, maybe a bit more of a because he's young and he's, he's on loan, and, and you know, but and some of the other youngsters like Mickey Johnson, and you know, getting it looking. Um, By the way, Mickey Johnson's a boxer from the 30s. Mickey Johnson is the le- the winger who I, plays I, for Celtic. I like to say Mickey. Do you know hey, what, what does my does my head in as well? You know how Lennon used to always have his favourites when he was a manager first time around? He always had his favourites and he'd always play them. It seems as if he's came in with preconceived ideas of some of the players. I mean, Oliver Buck. Oliver Buck, since, he's, since he came in before Neil Lennon took over, he was a major. He, he was a he was a major contributor in terms of game time. He was getting a lot of minutes. Now he's has he even? I don't think he's played at all under Lennon. No, he no, has. He's he's the first few games he was injured. Then he was injured. Then he came on. Yeah. Have you seen his touch? Have no, you seen I, his first yes. touch? I know. I get, have you I, seen him in front of goals? Abso- he brought absolutely. him on against Livingston. Just break and he walls, laughing from, at him. He, he literally missed from two yards out. I can understand why Lennon's went, fuck that guy. If I'm in a situation where we've got five minutes to go, uh, I'm going to bring someone again, who can though, Why not play Oli Burke like on the left way, instead of Johnny Way? Hayes. Mike. There was, do you know, there's one, see now you're talking about that, that he had preconceived ideas. I remember John McGinn was on... Sky Sports at half time. I don't know if it was before he signed for. I know, you, I know what you're going to say. And they said to him, "Was there anybody that Lennon used to tell you to target when you played against Celtic?" And he said, "I Lustig, right." And it played into the the whole "Where's my right back?" trope. Those were great <laughs> days, weren't they? Halcyon <laughs> you know, days. Halcyon days. And yet, t-shirts still available. And yet, <laughs> yes. Um, and yet, what's he done since he's came back? Now, I know Tolgian's not exactly set the heather on fire, but. He's he's brought Lustig back in and pers- you know persisted with him going forward, and yet McGinn said that's exactly who he highlighted, who we would go up against and try and exploit when he played against us. It's it's weird. It's and bizarre. Lustig's it, actually not played that bad though. But I don't. I also think the same As with Toljan. I don't think his performance is any worse than Lustig this season. No, I, don't I think, I, so I think on his best, he's a better right back, and he's, he's okay. He's, he had a couple of dodgy performances, but hello, Mikael Lustig. Uh, so uh, yeah, but that's I mean that's you you know what you're getting when they learn. You're getting Michael Lustig. You're getting Johnny Hayes, and you're going to get Celtic over the line. I mean, I'll be honest, and I'm not. I'm genuinely not joking when I say this. Um, I would be worried that he would bring back Charlie Mulgrew. Like, I genuinely would be worried he would bring, because Charlie Mulgrew, don't get me wrong, when he was at Celtic, um, Lennon utilised him in a certain way. I'm not, I'm absolutely not a fan of Charlie Mulgrew, but this idea that... It's just guys he likes and knows. Yeah, but, no, like, would he do it? Would he actually do it? Probably not, but would I be surprised if he did? No. I think Lennon likes working with people he knows, which you can understand, yeah. but... You know, if Charlie Mulgrew was 25, fair enough, but the guy's 32. You know, my, my fear is he goes back to what he knows at Celtic, brings in Joe Ledley because he's a free agent, brings in, you know, guys who he's worked with before, goes back to the exact same system before he left, goes back to exactly the same as how he worked. If that happens, I, I'd like to think Lennon's progressed as a manager since he left. I'm not so sure he has but, that he wouldn't go back and try and get that lightning in a, bo- in a bottle. D- d- that is what, to a degree, Rogers 
to this well because he brings in Colotura, he yeah, brings exactly, in Scott yeah. uh, De Vries as well. So I think it, I'd probably just with Rogers he could choose from a, no, a higher caliber player. Well, 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 I done that when he came as well. I wouldn't criticize. Uh, Lennon for doing it. What I'm saying is, I think it would be the wrong thing to do, though, because I think Celtic as a club right now are a little bit. Even though we're on our way to ten in a row, we are a little bit rudderless. Yes, fingers crossed. We're a little bit rudderless in how we're moving forward. We're rudderless in how the ship is going to move. And, and you know, I, I'm worried. I don't want us to go. Well, it worked in 2012, so let's do that again because it. You, you never go back. It comes back to the discussion we, we've had and probably will have is that I don't think the manager should be in charge of signings. You know, he shouldn't have the final word. He shouldn't be able to bring his players and the one he knows that, you know, he worked with before he gets, you know, a, a tip about something. I, I think the way you run a football club now is, is you have somebody else who is responsible for that. Eh, that may well be true, but that's something we can talk about in the summer. Genuinely, we can yeah, kind of yeah. go into, into depth. There's no point doing it now. No, no point doing it now. Um, I, I, Edward's miss, Edward's performance. Um, I think he was just had a bit of an off day, which is fine because he scored a lot of goals. Um, Lennon seems to like him. Um, I don't think he's utilising an attack around him. Uh, go back to the the balls in from uh, from from Hayes and the balls right across the box. I don't think that's where you want. Uh, Ed, well, that's where Edward's going to be. Um, but I mean, he's fine, Eddie. No, I, I mean. 20 goals for us this season, a couple of injuries, that's a good return. Um, his first season is the main man, if you will. If had the issue with Griffiths being out, um, and then obviously Dembele leaving. He's a young guy, I don't think you can criticise him too much yet. It, wasn't, it was a bit of a miss at the weekend. Um, but, you know, you're not going to lay the blame at Edwards, though. Not at all, um, no. no. Yeah, yeah. See, one, one thing I would say is, see when... Uh, when we went long with Bain against yeah. Hibs, one thing I would say is Hibs were press pushing up quite quite high. Okay, so they're putting that press on us. If that was Rogers, he would have played out, and we probably would have played ourselves into trouble because it's happened at, at Tynecastle and it's happened at Easter Road. Right? Okay, maybe not. Right, but hold on. At the same time, you, you need to look and see that it ha- that it, we Rogers's record in Edinburgh is fucking terrible. Because I think Levine and Lennon figured that if you press them high enough and you put them under pressure, specific players will crumble. The fact that Lennon saw that, maybe thought to himself, this is what I, this is what I would do, maybe we'll go a bit longer. I, I look at that and I think, well, okay, that if he had the right players in place, maybe he yeah, could, he could utilise that. He just doesn't have the right players doesn't. in place. But I also don't think he's going to be able to coach a team to play so precisely out. So... You know, we can't say, oh, we want a manager who's a little bit more pragmatic um, and then almost criticise him for it. Would you disagree with that? Or? No, I think Neil Allen is a bit more pragmatic. I don't know, again, if that's the right choice for Celtic. Um, we always sit here and talk about, oh, there must be some sort of fantastic middle ground between Rodgers and, and Lennon and somebody who's pragmatic when he needs to be. And, and so I don't know if that even exists. I think it's kind of like Rafa Benitez blanket. You know, it's it's you either have a high up, um, and your feet are cold, or you have it low down and you, your top is cold. Um, weird. So, That's really I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, In fact, don't explain. It. Nah, Let's don't. just leave it hanging there. All right? uh, we we don't have long left. Um, <laughs> what we're going to do is Christian, are you a live lunch on. Oh, Friday? no, a game. 
No, 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 oh, we're not doing a game. Not, not with you, mate. Another game coming there. Not with you, mate. We're going to do a live lunch on Friday. Yeah, okay. yeah, and at Friday's live lunch, we will preview the Kilmarnock game because we're not going to have time today. Um, but in general, how are you feeling about the league? How are you feeling about where we are right now? Just as we kind of close up, Chris, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? We've uh, got Kilmarnock at home. We win, in, we win uh, on Saturday at home, then and I'm happy. Um, if we lose that game, then I'm worried. If we draw that game? We need four points. We, we need, need four points. points. We need to win it. Uh, well, we don't need to win Could it. Could draw it and be up. We don't need to win it, right? But they've got three players out. Uh, three players sent off. Okay, one of them's Kurt Broadfoot, however. <laughs> um, they're not going to have a full choice um, first 11 against us. We're at home. If we win that, we only need a point to win the league. Yeah. So that would involve us not winning another game and Rangers continuing to win all that. I mean, if we, if we beat Kilmarnock... And I'm really confident. If we lose that, I'm not saying that we're not going to win the league, but you start to get a bit jittery in terms of momentum and things like that. This is this is huge in Saturday for us, I think. I think, um, and this is me kind of going into preview a wee bit. Okay, we can put a little bit of preview, yeah. it's, if we win that, then there is a real level of confidence about you because it's a single point to get over the line and, you, you know, we're going to be more than capable of doing that. If, you know... I know I'm repeating myself, but if we don't do that, <laughs> if we don't do that on Saturday, then you, you, you are going to start looking left and right and go, oh, crap. Point well made. Um, <laughs> Thanks very much. I, I just feel like the players, I can't be asked. I want it over. I want to forget about it for a wee while and go and regroup. We know what we know, we know what Kelly are going to do. They're going to do what Livingston did. That's the last two league games have been two draws. We know that Kelly are going to come and they're just going to sit in. They're not going to do anything different. And with Steve Clark behind the behind the helm, you know that they're going the, to be very disciplined and well. The only reason the only reason Mafia why is we're not going to score. The only reason I'm a wee bit more conf, confident about Saturday is because of the game that we've just played and the performance that we put in. I mean, the players can't do that again. And Neil Lennon cannot afford for them to do it again. I think he is going to have to change tact a bit, whether he's going to, you know, be a bit more bullish and be like his old self or whatever he's going to do. Because, I mean, the one thing that Neil Lennon was, was great at was motivating players. And that's that's exactly what he has to do now. He has to get them motivated and up for this. They've got a title to go and win. They've got to finish the job. So maybe this weekend we'll see a bit of a a bit of a different personality from them, but they're gonna have to show something. But it's I, I just want it over. And my worry is that I don't I don't know how everybody else feels, but if we win a, a another treble, a treble treble, yes, again another historic achievement. Will it be celebrated? Will it really be celebrated? This I, season I has been I a feel, slog, but yeah, you celebrate it. Christian thoughts? Just the same. You just want over. Yeah, no, just on the game on Saturday, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but I think that if Celtic can get an early goal, because the, the issue now is, as you say, is is they're so solid defensively, but they don't, you know, it's, it's the wins that had on the Lennon, I think maybe apart from Samirin, you know, the, the goals have come quite late. Um and the winner has come quite late, and you know what Kilmarnock's going to be like. In, in in the game in a few months back, you know I think James Forrest scored quite early, three 0 at halftime. I think five one. I think if you can do that again, it sounds easy just score early. But I think it's you know if, if it comes to even twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, and it's nil nil, 
you know, you can kind of see the pattern repeating. And and unless there's a you know there's a penalty or anything like that, it's yeah. I I, I think, and then with that in mind, and we can talk about this more on Friday. I do wonder if Celtic's going to go out and just you know straight from the off, really high press, really high intensity, and just try and get that one. And just because you know your shoulders go down, and it's I don't think Kilmarnock's got much offensively. It's funny though because as you say, Louis, it's a, it's a treble, we're a treble, treble we're going for, and I'm just kind of like, oh, just finish, just get the league wrapped up, get in it. Do you know what I mean? And we've got, don't get me wrong, hearts look like poo. So, but Scottish, I do think Scottish Cup final takes care of itself. It, it will be different. I think if it's Lennon or somebody else, it will be a whole different kind of season. Because for better or worse, Celtic has look unbeatable in terms of actual trophies under Rodgers and they've just been a machine. Um, that's not to say if Lennon gets it, Celtic might not win the league by 20 points. They might next year, even with Lennon. But you also think it's com- something completely different and it's a whole new chapter next year, no matter what happens. So you kind of go, I just can you just wrap that up and, yeah. and <laughs> not screw it up? And then, you know, you can start focusing on, on the summer. So, yes, yeah, so we will be at... Uh, we'll do a live lunch on Friday. We'll preview the, the Kilmarnock game on live on Periscope via Twitter. Um it's been a very, very somber day, very as sad as it's been. Um, been quite uplifting with um, you know the passing of the great Billy McNeil. Um, so yeah, thanks for the podcast, Chris and Manny. Been class, terrific. Thank you, Louis McCaffrey. What a boy, by the way. Thanks, man. Good to be here, Christian Wolf. Pleasure as always. That's the oldest one here. I've I've enjoyed it. Yeah. See you on Friday. See you on Friday. I'm Chris Gallagher with the Ninety Minute Cynic, and we'll speak to you down the road. Uh, you couldn't explain how you feel. Well, as you say, it's a sad day for Celtic. Scottish Cup final, Charlie Gallagher, corner, big belly, bang. Skipper Selig ever had. He was a, a motivator. He was a great captain. First and foremost, he was a Celtic supporter. An outstanding defender. With the European Cup, the first man in Britain to lift it. You've no idea what it, what it meant when the studs were hitting off the, the ground and the, the noise was quite, quite dramatic. Billy McNeil and his magnificent men earned the thanks and admiration of their native Glasgow, Scotland and the whole United Kingdom. Billy had that aggression in the air, six foot something. Magnificent football. And when we'd come along London Road to, to go into Celtic Park. There thousands of people. And that was what, what struck us. 
made us realise just exactly what we had done. And it was, it was wonderful. Like Caesar.